You are listening to the Wisdom of Wealth podcast. My name is Ryan Haley. And my name is Kyle Kempers. Whether you're at the top of your game or you're just getting started, we are here to add as much value as we possibly can to your financial education. If you want to find out more, head on over to wisdomofwealth.co. Welcome to the Wisdom of Wealth podcast. This is your host, Ryan Haley. Uh, Kyle, our co-host, couldn't make it today, but I do have another guest with us who we mentioned in the last episode, and that is Mark Livingston. Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you because what you are going to share is really innovative on a couple levels and combines some of these more complex, uh, less familiar topics that I think are super powerful when people can really understand and benefit from them. And um, again, for anybody who's listening, we talked about this in the last few episodes. So if you haven't listened, we're going to be starting off kind of with the assumption that you have a basic understanding of um, what we talked about previously, which is the privatized banking concept or infinite banking using cash value in a life insurance policy as a, as a really more of a replacement for a checking or savings account to fund investments and business opportunities. And then we briefly mentioned last week this idea of syndication funds, which I had never heard of until you know fairly recently and how powerful those can be. And that this week, we're going to talk about how Mark is doing both. He is both using, uh, he's, a, he's a privatized banking practitioner using his own um, whole life policy to fund these investments. And he's also a syndicator where he's putting that cash value into these um, really amazing deals that I'd never heard of before. But I will let him speak to all that. So Mark, again, thank you for sharing this stuff with us. And if you want to just talk about kind of your background and how you made that journey from being kind of your typical W-2 employee, uh, just investing in the Wall Street kind of stuff, the stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and an IRA or a 401k, and how you're making this transition to these very niche but uh, amazing uh, asset classes and strategies. Sure. Um, so just a little bit about my background. Um, I have an accounting degree and I am a CPA, although uh, I am not an expert in taxes. I, and that, by that, I basically mean I don't practice tax um, with, uh, with clients of my own or for anybody, but certainly learned a lot through my investing career. Uh, currently, I still have a W-2 job where I am uh, in charge of all of the accounting at a public company. Uh, if you want to look at that background, you can find me on LinkedIn and, and do that research. But um, my journey really uh, that's got me to where I am today started really 11 years ago this summer. Uh, I got divorced and I kind of sat down looking at my situation. Uh, that summer, I was 48 years old and uh, figured out that I basically had a net worth pretty close to zero pretty close to no money saved for retirement, two kids um, going into high school and looking at cost of college coming up soon and things like that and saying, I'm never going to get there through the traditional methods of, you know, saving through a 401k, you know, looking at the average returns in Wall Street, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, all that thing. So I really started um, educating myself reading books, um, you know, a lot of books, you know, one, the very first one that actually comes to mind, it was, it was a book called, um, multiple streams of income. Hmm. I can't remember the author, but he basically gave me the concepts like, Oh, you can make money doing these other things while you're also doing this. And, and most of them, you want to find ones where you invest once and get paid for a long time. Right. That was my first real exploration into passive income. Uh, and then I read many Robert Kiyosaki books like many people have and gone on from there to uh, educate myself and start taking action in the right direction. And so for those who aren't familiar, we've talked about this on the show before, but Robert Kiyosaki is, you know, kind of uh, famous in certain investor circles. He wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant. He's kind of, you know, um, famous for getting people to think outside the box of just the traditional Wall Street type investments. And that's a that's a huge journey in itself. But the big thing I want to capitalize and, and bring to our you know attention from this is that you started off in a pretty tough spot. 
but you knew that you needed to take some action and you realized that traditional means were probably not going to get you to where you needed to be. And we'll talk about how, I mean, what did, I didn't know that backstory till just now. So what a dramatic difference 10 years can make. Right. And yeah. uh, one of the things that I love saying is that people tip, and I can't take credit for this quote, but it's very true that people typically way overestimate how much they can accomplish in a year and significantly underestimate how much they can accomplish in 10 years. And as we'll see, this last 10 years sounds like it's been an absolute transformative game changer for you, but it started with a desire and an intention to really educate yourself. And that's what we're trying to do through this podcast. So that to me is, I always come back to that as the biggest thing. So if you're listening to this and you're in a similar situation, or maybe you're just getting started and you don't know, you know, anything about how you can get to where you want to be, uh, take Mark's story, take our story, you know, me and Kyle, whoever else uh, we interview on the show, it's very similar. And uh, I appreciate you sharing kind of, you know, that, that background, Mark, that, that makes a difference for the context. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, I, I did start taking action. I started investing in various types of real estate in small ways and growing slowly, but, um, as, now, when you say investing in real estate, were these direct, like, you know, you're buying a single family home or a duplex or whatever? Yeah, just using my own money, doing my own work, um, a lot of land flipping, a little bit with, with some single family houses, but not much. Um, a lot of this, uh, you know, what I was realizing was, yeah, it worked, but I was creating another job. <laughs> Exactly. You and I wasn't looking for a minimum wage job or worse. Congratulations. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> looking for another job. I already had one. <laughs> yeah. It's not so passive. A lot of times people, I will say, and that's an important fact. I love real estate too. And the only time I had to dedicate investment property, thank God I had a property manager, because otherwise it would have been awful. Like it it would have not been worth it. It was very much more than a full-time job for less than minimum wages. And that's where you got to be careful. A lot of people talk about passive income you want to make sure it really is passive. So it doesn't really kind of uh, fit the objective for a lot of people looking for financial freedom. Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit about how, so you, okay. So you started with wall street's not going to cut it for me. And when I say wall street, we're talking about 401k stocks, bonds, mutual funds, right? I think that's important. People have that in their portfolio, but it's one of many asset classes. Then the next step, which is usually what me and a lot of our you know cohorts find is, okay, I'm going to start investing in real estate. Usually you get several properties, you find out, okay, maybe I'm cash flowing two or 300 bucks a month on like two or three properties. How many properties would I have to buy to get to any meaningful amount of financial freedom on a net monthly cash flow basis, right? And so that's a big step that I also see people kind of stage two, if you will. And what we're going to talk about today is going to stages three and four, maybe. So how did you, you got these rentals or you got these, you're flipping land and it's a very active effort on your part. What was the next step in, in getting to um, some economies of scale and making it truly a lot more passive? Yeah, so, so some of the things I learned is I did l- learn the concept of, of finding virtual assistants and delegating some of the work to them. So, you know, trying to get out of doing all the work and really what, what most people would call working on the business, not working in the business. Right. Um, working in is a job working on is a business owner that you want to be in the business owner side. The other thing is I started realizing as I networked with people who were doing similar things is a lot of people could go fast, but we're running out of money. And so they're looking for more money because you know, it's, it, you know, all these are a combination of work and money invested and realizing that, you know, you could partner together. And so I went to a conference and I think this was, um, really just, uh, it was three years ago or four years ago, can't quite remember, but um, it talked about syndication, which I had been hearing about, didn't really know. So I went to this uh, conference, two days immersed in just the basics of syndicating funds, which is really just putting together deals with money from many investors. Most of those investors are going to be passive. They're gonna get a return. And there's a small number of the partners who are going to do all the work to create that return for them. Uh, As soon as I saw that, all kinds of light bulbs went off in my head. As I mentioned, I'm an accountant, CPA, so I'm always thinking about the finance side of things. And I immediately pivoted and was like, this is the thing for me. This is what I can relate to. I can do this. 
And that started. When you say I can do this, you're talking about actually being a syndicator at this point, Correct. a general partner who's doing some, doing a lot of the work, but getting economies of scale by bringing passive investors called LPs or limited partners on board. That exactly right. And that, oh. that I've always thought through in my mind various types of financial strategies. You know, dream. How could we do this? How could we do that? This fit the bill perfectly for me. So that's another thing that you could look into if you are interested in being more actively involved and potentially, you know, increasing your work and effort, but also increasing your profits and, um, you know, the amount of money you can make. If some of you guys are inclined towards that kind of stuff, then possibly going to one of these syndication events where they train people how to actually put the deals together, like what we're going to talk about that you're doing and bring other investors on board by raising capital and identifying deals or projects to invest that money into. Yes. So for anybody who's interested in that, uh, are there any resources you would share of like some really kind of best of best in breed um, people who know how to, you know, put on these uh, seminars or training events for syndicators? Yeah. The one that I mentioned, I actually still go and I go every time because I meet new people and I learn new things. The world changes and it's put on by the real estate guys and they hold this syndication. They, they actually call it the Secrets of Successful Syndication. And they do this conference twice a year. And um, they bring experts in. They're, they don't consider themselves to be the experts, although they do practice syndicating. But they bring in attorneys. They bring in accountants. They bring in other syndicators to tell what they've done and how they've created syndications. And it gives you a really broad picture of all the things you need to be aware of if you're going to do this, but also all the creative ways that you can create investments. And I will say that is a critical thing is having a network of like-minded people who you can share best practices, innovative approaches, and potentially network, you know, professionally and personally to add value at each step of the process. And so the real estate guys are kind of, you know, um, probably the most uh, well-established long running group of guys. And we can put that in the show notes, but they've got an awesome podcast, a ton of resources you can check out if you want to get involved with that, either as a passive investor and, or as a syndicator, and they have some great information, but so that was even pretty recent for you, you that you're talking about maybe three or four years ago. And I didn't yeah. realize how, I mean, you have really kind of taken the ball and run with it as we'll talk about here, but that, it, that just shows you the power of, intentionality. And when you start doing these things, not only does money compound exponentially over time, but knowledge, skills, resources, networking, all that compounds as well. And so that's, it's amazing how, how much progress you can make in a short amount of time. Um, and that's kind of what I want to get into now is having gone to this realizing, okay, I want a passive income stream, but I don't mind necessarily in your case, being um, more actively involved as a general partner or GP, um, putting some, you know, uh, sweat equity in, if you will, by putting the deals together. But um, so once you, that light bulb came on, take us through, you know, what you, how you applied that and what you're doing now. Sure. So let's start with the name of my company, Match Real Asset Partners. The, the, the words in the name mean a lot to me. Um, I always wanted to find ways to partner with other people and uh, real. And so I wanted, that's where partners comes from, real assets. You know, we think about real estate, but there's more real assets than just real estate. And I like the term real assets to distinguish the difference between paper assets, which is mostly what you have on Wall Street, everything Wall Street, you know, gets you to invest in is a derivative of a real asset. And that derivative is the paper, even a stock certificate is a derivative of a business, you know, and I want to invest in real assets, and then match, I want to match people together. If you're partnering, you know, once I got the syndication concept in my mind, where I wanted to be was I wanted to have operating partners who are really good with some type of real asset that I like as an investor and you know, can deliver. I'm their financial partner. I'll help with the financial strategy. 
I'll help find the investing partners that will bring in and provide the capital and give those investors a really good return on their deal. So I'm really matching a lot of people together through the concept of investing in real assets. Yeah, that's so, a great point right there. So you've got kind of three different uh, levels involved, the three different groups. You've got the passive investors or the limited partners, LPs. They're just putting up money and getting a passive return that's truly actually passive. Mm-hmm. And you are kind of the go-between. You connect or match these limited partners with these best-in-breed uh, what are called sponsor operators, who are the people who really specialize in a particular asset class, whether that's you know a multifamily commercial you know apartment building, whether that's um, other types of kind of niche real assets, which we're going to really focus on for this one. And then you are also considered general partner, but more in the sense of putting together you know the deal, raising the capital from the passive investors, and deploying that capital into what the sponsor operators are uh, managing. Correct. That is a good summary. So what were some of these? I think a lot of people are familiar with real estate and there's a lot of great syndication things. The big light bulb for me is, man, there's a number of real assets besides just real estate that can have amazing cash flow, uh, fantastic tax benefits. And I think uh, from a financial planning and portfolio management perspective, a really important aspect is that you're providing very meaningful diversification. So maybe the real estate sector takes a hit because of macroeconomic factors, while another asset class might be going up at the time that that's going down or be completely uncorrelated, meaning the return profile is not uh, the same. So you kind of got these things where if one goes down, the other goes up and vice versa. That's the diversification aspect. What are some of these other real assets that you've been exposed to recently? Yeah, so um, some of them I've gotten exposed to just because I got to know some people that, that exposed me to them. Some I've sought out because I've looked at this through the lens of, hey, I'm an executive at a company. How would I invest? What am I? What do I need to get out of this? And sort of combining all those things, you know, the things that I have found um, and I'm working on with syndications include carbon or CO2 scrubbing equipment in the oil field service sector, Bitcoin mining machines, um, oil and gas wells. Here's one that blow people mind, but I'm still working with some guys on potentially a deal where we will produce helium. And helium is embedded in natural gas when it comes out of the ground. So it kind of is related to the oil and gas industry. Um, I keep looking for others. I'm not against real estate. Um, And in fact, in my own personal portfolio, I need to get into more real estate. And so I'm looking for things like that too. But real estate is a whole world unto itself with all its different classes too. And so, you know, there's a lot of different things you can focus on. But those are some, some things that, to answer Ryan's question, real assets, you know, think, think oil and gas, think, think of things that society needs. There's a lot of natural resources that, that our economy needs, you know, and things like that. So, yeah. And I think the big thing here is that we're talking about a, a hard, tangible product, right? Whether that's a yeah. building, you know, for shelter or for industrial or commercial use, talking about, you know, physical equipment that brings actual resources out of the ground or even, you know, a Bitcoin mining thing with computers that, you know, uh, there's all kinds of things, but um, a lot of people talk about the intrinsic value, so to speak, of an asset. And most people define that intrinsic value, in my opinion, as a bit of a misnomer because it always has to do with the financial intrinsic value. But what I like to add to the next level is something that has a non-financial true intrinsic value, like regardless of what I can you know, get somebody else to pay for it, if I own a building, I have something that's going to have some kind of real world utility in terms of I've got a building with, that provides shelter, or I've got a, you know, something that's got a, a commodity like oil and gas, natural gas, these kinds of things that um, you know, there's a real world use for as opposed to just a pure financial aspect. And that is, again, I think a really important distinction that I've become aware of recently And then we've got some things that have some amazing tax benefits too. And that's 
one of the things that makes what you're working on right now that I want to kind of transition into these uh, CO2 scrubbers, the the return profile, the cash flow, and uh, a very important distinction of what you're doing right now is the particular type of tax benefit. So why don't you take us through what you're working on right now and kind of the focus of this particular interview? Sure. So um, back to the syndication event that the real estate guys put on. Um, as I mentioned, I keep going. I also have gotten to know a lot of people through that and people that I talk to regularly. By that, I mean multiple times a month. Um, you know, and I've, I've developed a pretty good inner circle of people that we, we talk about. And what I learned early, I guess late 2020, um, was about the CO2 scrubbers that, uh, you know, a colleague of mine was starting to syndicate and realizing that the way it was structured which ha would have huge tax benefits that would help me offset my W-2 taxable income, reduce my taxes there, which if you know anything about having a job and investing in real estate, the tax code will not let you use real estate depreciation to offset your W-2 income. Uh, they consider that passive and you can't mix the two. Uh, unless you're a real estate professional and you can't be a real estate professional if you got a full-time other type of job. In that tax code though, there's a piece of the code that says, um, if you have anything that's related to a networking interest in production of oil or natural gas, that can always be ordinary income or an ordinary loss if you have depreciation and you can offset your W-2 income with that. So that's what attracted me to this investment. Um, I'll give you the basics of the financial structure for a passive investor, because at first, this is where I was coming, getting exposed to this. So it's got some debt on it. So it, it's leveraged, it's leveraged by 50%. So if, if I am investing $100,000 into this fund, basically I'm gonna get, $200,000 of depreciation on this equipment, but this equipment also has a, a piece of its structure that allows it to share in the networking interest of uh, natural gas and crude oil, which means that the depreciation is now active or ordinary. So that $200,000 of depreciation, I can use to offset my W-2 income and reduce the tax on that. So let's say I'm in the 30, 35% tax bracket. I live in Texas, there's no state tax, so I don't have to worry about that. If you have state tax, it's even bigger benefit for you. That $200,000 is gonna save upwards of $70,000 of taxes for me. Now I only had to invest $100,000 to get a $70,000 tax savings. That's a huge, huge payback. You know, if, if I don't even ever pay those taxes in, it's an immediate payback. If I do pay those taxes in and then have to get them on a refund, it's maybe at max a year later that I get my money back, but I'm getting 70% back right away. That's really important. I just want to highlight that. A couple of different things. A, even with some of these great syndications in real estate, again, just to highlight the difference between passive and active income, Unless you're already financially free, the vast majority of people make most or all of their income through exchanging time for money, right? So even if you're a really high paid executive, you know, making several hundred thousand dollars a year, um, you are going to get taxed on that um, normally at a pretty high rate, especially for people, you know, that are in the higher tax bracket, say 35%. So even while you can get some great returns and some tax benefits from traditional uh, real estate or other things, unfortunately, the tax benefits will only offset passive income. And if you don't have enough passive income to start with, then you're not getting much of a tax benefit because it's not offsetting anything that you currently have. Now, you can carry those you know, losses forward and offset future passive income. But the key thing that you're doing right now with your fund is that this was the thing that separated it from everything else I've been aware of is that you can you can offset your active income, which is again, for most people, the majority of their income when they start off on this financial freedom journey, 
And then only that you're adding leverage to it so that, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big deal to invest a hundred thousand dollars and get a hundred thousand dollar deduction against ordinary income. You know, that would save you $35,000 if you're in the 35% tax bracket, but by using leverage, now you're getting two times the investment as a deduction. So again, invest a hundred thousand dollars, get a $200,000 deduction against ordinary or passive income which saves you immediately a guaranteed 70%. So you're getting a 70% return guaranteed within the first six to 12 months, meaning that you've already recouped most of your investment. And that is important because it significantly lowers the risk. Even if the investment and the cash flows don't perform the way you'd think, you already know you're coming into it day one with a guaranteed, you know, significant tax savings. And then that's important. And then talk about what I think is also a really distinguishing feature of this, which is the cash flow aspect. Yeah, these, these machines are so valuable to the natural gas industry that um, they're making really good money with a pretty low cost. And so the operating partner is getting a share of that revenue and the fund itself that I'm invested in as a limited partner gets the, the other share of the income. And so when um, that fund is, is receiving its share of the revenue, it's using that revenue to pay back that debt that it, that it took on. That debt gets paid back pretty fast, three years, which to me is a, a huge reduction in risk on the whole fund um, that happens pretty quick. And at the same time, that first quarter that the fund starts making payments on the debt, it also has enough cash to start making passive payments a passive income payments to the investors. And as an investor, it's a fixed preferred return the way this fund is set up. And we're getting 10% on our investment every single quarter. So not 10% per year, but every single quarter. So I'm getting for my 100,000 invested, I'm getting a 10 grand cash payment every three months now they've also, because they've made it preferred and, and set it up that way, they've also fixed it for a period of time. So it only lasts for seven years and then I'm taken out as a passive investor. Um, but they've structured it where um, all you know those debt payments have to happen. They have to pay us, our investors, and then the sponsor gets his money later after all that happens first. So he's taking the risk because if there's lower revenue, his payment's the one that's gonna be lower. Right. So that preferred return is important, too, because it's kind of almost a hybrid uh, structure where you're getting um, almost in a sense, it's not nearly as safe, but it's, it's almost in a sense like a bond coupon payment or a, a mm -hmm. quarterly dividend that's fixed. And um, that lowers the risk to the passive investor. And it also incentivizes the sponsor operator or the syndicator at the general partner level to really perform because they're not going to make any money for all their time and effort until after the passive investors have gotten that minimum preferred return. And yeah. so just to kind of summarize up to this point, let's say this year you invest $100,000 into one of these funds in these CO2 scrubber machines. If you're in the 35% tax bracket, you know for sure that you're going to get a $70,000 tax savings um, for next year's you know, tax return. You're also going to be getting $40,000 a year, $10,000 per quarter, so between in that very first year alone, a $100,000 investment is going to get you a $70,000 real tax savings and $40,000 of cash flow in that first 12 months. So, you know, that's $110,000, which is more than your investment. Now, it, you know, without getting too deep in the weeds, obviously that um, the, the $10,000 preferred return is going to be taxed at ordinary income. And there's some phantom income uh, based on the pay down of the debt, which we won't go too far into that. But let's just say again, at that 35% tax bracket, you add all that stuff up, you're still getting almost your entire principal back within the first 12 months. And then you've still got another six years of completely passive $40,000 a year distributions. So over the lifetime of that seven-year fund, a one-time $100,000 investment is probably going to end up netting you about $250,000 after all is said and done, which is a pretty darn good return. Um, and then, you know, there's, uh, there's some other things where, you know, you can, 
you can potentially, uh, if you're involved at the active level like you are, you might make more money after the seven years. But just from the passive investor standpoint, for a 100% passive investment, to get that kind of money, you know, a lot of people talk about mailbox money. It just shows up and you don't do anything for it. Well, this is even better. This is what I call ACH money. It just shows up magically in your checking account. Don't even have to cash the check, right? So That's that right. is pretty amazing from a tax perspective, from a passive cash flow perspective, and um, literally no work on the passive investor's part. To me, I mean, how many multi, how many single family homes that you own and manage would you have to buy in order to get that same kind of return? Uh, I don't know. It would be a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And you mentioned there that I, I have become more active in these deals too. Actually, right before I was ready to make my investment, uh, the guy who was syndicating these could see that there was a lot of demand and that I was also wanting to, um, as I described earlier, be in the middle and be that syndicator. So he actually actually asked me to co-syndicate with him. And so I do find um, investors for some of these funds now um, and participate as that general partner sponsor with him on some of these deals too. And we'll talk about, you know, um, opportunities for people to get involved at a later point um, because there's, such high demand for this, uh, you're actually already uh, what's called oversubscribed, basically, that uh, you've already got a list of people waiting to get in on this. So you've got another fund coming up here next month. But uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like anybody uh, at this point who hasn't already gotten involved or signed up can participate this year. But starting next year, um, potentially that's an opportunity for people to get involved. And uh, we're going to host a webinar. We're going to go into more of this um, probably in the next uh, you know, month and a half or so. And we can talk about how you can um, you know, get in touch with Mark and, and figure out if this is something that might work for you. But if nothing else, just getting um, an understanding of this and positioned ahead of time is uh, really important. And then the other thing that Again, combining some things we've talked about in the last few podcast episodes, because of the seven-year term of this investment, it lends itself really well to this whole privatized banking concept of using your insurance policy as a way to fund the investment. And so um, can you talk to us about how you have done that both as a limited partner, as a syndicator or GP, and also now as a privatized banking practitioner? Sure. So um, as Ryan mentioned earlier, um, I do practice the infinite banking, privatized banking concept. Um, I had one, my first policy from a few years ago, uh, and it, it wasn't very large, but, um, you know, I was using that. And as I was thinking through 2021, making my first investment in the CO2 scrubbers, Ryan talked about that seven-year uh, payout, um, you know, sounded perfect. And so the practitioner that I was working with at that time, I told him, I said, look, I want to design a policy where I can put my money into the policy and get a new policy, put my money into the policy, a big lump sum in that year one, which you're allowed to do if it's structured right, and then borrow enough out to make my investment in the CO2 scrubbers. And then some of that policy loan will get paid back through my tax refund that I'll get, which I did. And we matched the next seven years of paid up additions to what I expected my payout to be because it was a preferred fixed return. I felt pretty confident that that would come in and we designed the policy to fit that. There's a few more years of some, some low level premium amount to finish out the policy, but basically I'm getting, I'm, I'm put, built a new policy that's gonna be funded really with one-time investment in cash. And that's something we can go into a lot more detail on that webinar that Ryan talked about. 
Yeah, and that's really important. And you know, uh, we don't we do have to emphasize that some of these things, while they're all these benefits, there is risk involved, right? So there's not a guarantee that you're going to get the forty thousand dollars a year. That depends on the operating, you know, results of the particular, you know, um, machine and the the well that it's attached to, and all these things. But up to this point, sounds like you guys have been able to make those payments exactly as scheduled and advertised per the, um, you know, return profile. And so, you know, we don't want to go into something assuming if, you know, if, if you can't um, make those payments into your policy um, based purely on the cash flow of the investment, you know, you need to, you need to build in some buffer, some margin of safety there. Mm-hmm. But um, in an ideal world, most of the policy premiums eventually become, um, you know, paid for over time by the investment and then you're getting your money working in multiple places at the same time. That policy is earning, you know, a certain return that's, you know, very safe and conservative. It's uh, tax exempt. And then another cool thing is even that policy loan, if you borrow the cash value against it, as we've talked about in previous episodes, then the money in the policy is still, the whole amount is still compounding and working for you, but you've got access to it and you're going to pay a low interest rate to, um, access the money and put it somewhere else. And that policy loan interest is potentially also tax deductible on top of everything else. Yes. So you're getting all these benefits like compounding together. You're getting a, you know, if it's structured correctly, you're getting the tax exempt um, cash value growth in the policy very safely over time. You're of course getting a, a big death benefit and some other benefits as well. You're getting the tax deduction of the policy loan interest, which is now funding this deal which is getting you an enormous tax benefit right off the bat and a really strong income stream over time. So as you start compounding these things and putting them all together, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts and you're creating multiple wealth creation ecosystems that all kind of synergize and feed each other. Yes, and that's that's really what I love doing is talking through these types of things with people like Ryan and just brainstorming. It's like, how can we combine many of these different things and make them all work together so that they all perform for us, you know, and create a, create a really good financial strategy. Yeah. And that's an important part is, you know, as we've mentioned before, these policies are really powerful in and of themselves, and you have to structure them very specifically to get the optimal benefits out of it. And that's one part of it. But the next level, like you said, is you took an income, you took an investment that you were going to invest in anyways, and you took that specific return profile over a certain period of years and matched it up on the front end. So kind of starting at the end and working you know, backwards to, to get to your starting point of, okay, given that we know this is gonna be the expected return profile, I'm now going to design a policy specifically around that, that I know will line up and match, again, that word coming into play on multiple levels, mm-hmm. you know, so that this thing is um, optimally structured from the beginning, not just from the policy design, but how that policy then feeds and receives cash flows from the investment itself. Yep. Described it perfectly. So, and and the reason that seven year time frame is important is because again, without going into all the details now, um, the IRS code and the way that these policies are structured um, to get the maximum tax benefit is based on a seven pay schedule. And uh, that's for a whole life policy. Uh, Index universal life works a little differently, but for that particular structure, um, it really, it, it just happens to work out very ideally where those timeframes and everything um, match up perfectly. And then after that, you could potentially make no more premiums into that policy ever again after that seven years. And by that point, because you've maximum overfunded it, you've gotten most of the premiums paid for in future years. Again, assuming the investment performs, we have to be careful to say, you know, it's definitely not a guarantee. The policy is a guarantee if it's a whole life policy, the, the returns. But then after that, you funded this thing for seven years, never make any payments again. And every year after that, you're getting a significant amount of passive income growing tax exempt inside the policy that you can access for personal use and or other investments. You know, there's no limitation to what you can use that cash value for. Exactly. That's the thing is that it's, it's this growing bank asset that you can use to fund your life or fund more investments or however fits for you. 
Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I think I become more and more um, appreciative of over time is that the flexibility of these designs, again, outside Wall Street, right? This isn't a qualified retirement plan like a 401k or an IRA that has all these limitations and requirements that typically come along with those types of assets, you know, with like, you have to put, you know, you can only put this much money in on the front end, and then you have to take so much money on the back end. And if you access it, you know, early or for an un, a non-qualified use, you're going to get hit with taxes and penalties. None of that stuff applies as long as we set up the policy in the right way. And, um, you know, your, your ability to fund this vehicle is based solely on the amount of coverage you can get for the insurance and your ability to pay for it. It has no limitations because especially a lot of people in these high, you know, income tax brackets, they can't even contribute to a Roth IRA at all. And even a traditional IRA, um, there's a very low limits to what can make a, a meaningful difference and move the needle for certain people. So this gives you, again, a lot of flexibility, different exposure to different asset classes, strategies, providing cash flow appreciation, tax benefits, and, uh, you know, of course, the, the death benefit protection, which can be really important for estate planning and generational legacy planning um, with some built-in accelerated living benefits that can uh, not officially, but essentially act in many ways as long-term care, which is, you know, a, the cost of long-term care has skyrocketed over the years. And that I'm finding is a really important benefit for a lot of people too, that's included at no extra charge. So, you know, a lot of times people describe these life insurance policies as kind of like a Swiss army knife, because there are so many different, you know, use cases and applications and flexibility um, and then you combine it with these different asset classes, uh, kind of niche ones we're talking about today, where, you know, very quickly, you have gone from 48 years old, divorced to two kids, no net worth, no savings, not going to get there with the tr traditional retirement. 10 years later, can you tell us just by the intentionality you took, how much your personal and uh, professional life has changed as a result? Uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm in a position now where I think I can retire from the corporate world within the next couple of years. Um, my goals are to build passive income so that it's double the amount I would like to live off of. Not what I need, but what I would like to live off of. And I think I'll be there within 12 months. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, like you said at the very beginning is what you what you usually under overestimate what you can do in one year but underestimate what you can get done in five to ten years and i think that latter one is definitely true for me even even two or three years ago i wouldn't have thought i was in this position this fast but my knowledge base my education has grown and it grows exponentially because you just keep building on it and um learn so much and find so many new ways to create wealth. And it's, it's unbelievable once you start doing it and it starts all compounding on itself. Yeah. Like we said, I mean, people know, as it's been said, uh, compound interest is uh, the so-called eighth wonder of the world, but perhaps even more powerful than that, what I've found, like you just said, is the compound effects of knowledge, experience, sophistication, and networking connections, where you take one concept or strategy, layer that with another one, then add one more on top. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, you've just radically accelerated how much progress you can make in getting to that point of financial freedom. And then, you know, it, that just gives you options to do, you know, you, I think a lot of people like us, we're just kind of like, we enjoy the process of investing. So you may not need to keep doing what you're doing now, but you may want to just because it gives you a sense of purpose. You know, you're helping people. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't believe in the retirement philosophy of just, you know, getting to a point where all of a sudden you're done working and then you just, uh, you know, play golf every day or sit Mai Tais on the beach. Nothing wrong with that. But I think we all need a sense of purpose and mission in our lives. And I think that there's a really meaningful way that we can positively impact people and the world even by being able to present these opportunities and the education. So I can't thank you enough for sharing your journey on here, um, telling us about some things a lot of people may not know about. Um, again, we've, believe it or not, we've only scratched the surface here. So we are going to do a much more in-depth webinar here, which we'll get some more details on later. But in the meantime, um, even if they can't invest this year, um, 
what are some ways that people can get a hold of you, get some more information, and then maybe even learning what it takes to be able to invest if and when those opportunities become available. Because uh, as we mentioned in the last show, a lot of these things are limited to who can participate, you know, to what are called accredited investors. And, you know, there's a number of different criteria, but usually it's based on uh, an annual income of $200,000 if you're single, $300,000 if you're married filing jointly, or a net worth of $1 million, not including your principal residence. So right now you can't offer these investments, even if they were available to anybody who doesn't fit those criteria. But every once in a while, you might be able to offer a different form of it where someone maybe doesn't quite meet those you know, financial requirements, but they are considered, you know, quote unquote, sophisticated. And that's a different thing that we could talk about. But just wanted to make sure we, we put that out there and realize that there are some you know, limitations and requirements to all this. But even for people who are on the front end of this journey and just want to learn more and position themselves, like I said, um, I know you have a number of resources and we're going to do some more stuff, but what's the best way for people to get a hold of you and reach out for more information? Well, uh, me and my team, we've created a special email just for this podcast. Uh, so send an email to www.matchrealassetpartners.com. Should be easy to remember the WOW for Wisdom of Wealth but just WOW at matchrealassetpartners.com. What we'll do is we'll, we'll send an email right back to you, let you know we've got your email. We'll give you information on how to connect with me and Ryan and Kyle, um, should you want to talk to any of us. And we'll put you on a list for that webinar. We don't have the date set yet, but we expect it probably in October. And as soon as we have that date, We'll send each of you the information on how to get registered for that webinar so you can participate with us and, and ask more detailed questions. We'll go through some tables and charts and things like that and, and have a little Q&A. Yeah, so even if you're in your car right now, you're listening to this, you don't have time to be able to uh, you know, go to the website or anything. Um, if you just send that email to WOW at matchrealassetpartners.com, you'll get an automated response, uh, letting them know you're in the system, have some follow-up stuff. And um, then, you know, even though most likely nobody can invest in the fund this year, one of the things we talked about was starting with the end in mind and working backwards, right? And the first thing that you did was set up your policy specifically based around this investment. It doesn't have to always be so particularly tailored to one particular return profile, but the point is to get the maximum benefit of doing all this stuff, you wanna have the policy in place and funded first so that if and when an investment opportunity comes along, you've got that money ready, it's liquid, you can just like kind of pull the trigger. And sometimes the underwriting process can take, you know, several months, depending on the case. So that's always the first step is that rather than funding the investment out of a checking or savings account, you're, you're putting the money in the policy first, then borrowing against that cash value to put in these things. So that's something that we can set up right now for anyone. You don't have to be accredited. You know, it works at, at any income level. It scales proportionately. So we definitely encourage you take the first step that you can right now in the email and in the show notes here, we'll have um, a calendar link where you can schedule an appointment with uh, myself, Kyle, or any number of different people to talk about the policy, get that set up. Hopefully that's all in place by the end of this year at the latest, and then you're positioned for potentially early next year, if and when you have more investments, they're ready to go and everything's already set up. Yeah, that'd be perfect. So we'll send that, uh, send this, the email at what Mark just said, and we'll put that in the show notes, WOW at matchrealassetpartners.com. And then also go ahead and click that link that we'll have in there to schedule an appointment where we can talk about on the front end, how to set up the policy get that all ready to go. And then um, when they receive the response from that email we just described, will that eventually give them updates when we have information about the webinar and how they can register for that? Yes, it is. As soon as we set it up um, and have the registration page ready, we'll send another email to everybody and make sure they, they know how to, how to register for that and get connected. And again, we don't have a, a date, but we're thinking probably sometime mid-October, most likely, just as a, a general idea. So stay tuned for that. But again, uh, and then you have a, a real estate uh, or a real uh, matchrealassetpartners.com website as well. Correct. Right? Yeah. You can go look at, look at stuff I have there, um, get more information on the company. 
Right. Because you have, like you said, you've got some other potential syndications and investment funds people mm-hmm. can participate in as well. So we'll stay tuned on that. Um, I imagine we'll probably have you on the podcast again because you're just a wealth of knowledge. And I think the biggest thing to me that I come to over and over again is that we are doing this first and foremost as investors, as LPs or limited partners, as clients and policyholders. And we're only sharing stuff that we're already doing. We're not trying to like sell something, you know, just to make um, a commission or, you know, uh, a finder's fee or whatever. It's we're doing these things personally. And because we've seen the power of how it's impacted our lives, we're passionate about sharing this with other people. And I think that's important as you're listening to this, considering your investment options, you know, if you're working with, um, you know, a life insurance agent who doesn't personally have their own, you know, banking policy, so to speak, you got to kind of wonder why. If you're talking to um, a syndicator who has no skin in the game of their own project or investment or a realtor who doesn't own their own properties, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, you want to make sure that people are buying before they're selling. And that's the only reason that we're sharing this stuff is because we've done it personally and we've seen the power of it and want to share it with other people. And that, I think, creates a lot of alignment of interests. And uh, I've noticed that makes a big deal for, you know, the clients that I work with. I'm sure you could probably say the same. That is definitely true. Um, And I do tell people all the time, you know, is this may not be the right thing for you, depending on your financial situation. But if hopefully one of our other types of syndications can help you. And if I can't help you, I've referred plenty of people to other other syndicators that I know who have those types of assets that fit better for their profile. So it's not really about, you know, me just trying to make money. It's it's really about helping people find the right place for them based on their situation. Yeah, absolutely. And again, those policies can be used for anything and they don't have to be specifically structured around this particular type of investment. But the point is, do what you can now. You know, that's what I keep coming back to. You didn't have all this sophistication and knowledge. You were in kind of a a pretty rough spot to start with. But Mm -hmm. all the difference came from just taking the intentionality to learn about this stuff and actually get in the game and start doing it, network with other people. And, um, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today, right? And so the sooner that you can learn about this stuff, the sooner you can start getting into it, the sooner you can start scaling it. And, uh, you know, like Mark's story powerfully, you know, demonstrates, uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish in a relatively short amount of time if you set that intentionality. So, Thanks again, Mark, for everything. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Again, if a lot of this stuff is really complex and you're not familiar with it, go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. We kind of queued this up. Kyle and I are going to do kind of a debrief of this um, interview next week and kind of just continue to, you know, put multiple layers of paint on all this, so to speak, because it does take a while to reorient your paradigm and think very differently. But I have found that that unconventional outside the box approach makes all the difference. And uh, we're, we're happy to help walk you through that and uh, get you set up with it or refer you to people who we might know. So thank you guys for tuning in, share this with anybody you think might benefit from this. Uh, send that email to WOW at matchrealassetpartners.com, schedule an appointment with us and um, we will have more information about the webinar and some potential other opportunities. So thank you again, Mark, and thank you guys for listening. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Hopefully what we shared was valuable, whether it encouraged you or challenged you. Our goal is to equip you to make better financial decisions. So engage with us at wisdomofwealth.co. We want to connect with you and continue the conversation. Make an appointment today. Ryan, myself, or anyone else from the Wisdom of Wealth team would love to meet with you. We look forward to talking more. And again, that's wisdomofwealth.co. See you on the next episode.